Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Matthew chapter 5, and then also to Joel chapter 2. Uh, it's where I'm going to be taking scripture from this morning. Um, last week I shared a few things that I felt like God had been saying to us for uh, 2014, and uh, that this was a year of multiplication. It was a year where God was going to duplicate some things, and He was going to multiply some things. It was a year of momentum and a year of movement uh, for our church, and uh, certainly we have seen God move in 2013, but I believe it will even be more so in this year to come. I believe that this is a year of miracles. Somebody needs to claim that this morning because you need a miracle in your life. And so if you need a miracle, I would be saying this is a year of my miracle. This is a year when God shows up in my life. And this is a year when God does something for me that moves me from my current situation into a new realm of understanding with Him and a new arena of His blessing. I believe that this is a year of greater things. And so I just encourage you to seek after Him and allow God to speak to your life not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, through your quiet times, your private times with the Lord. Listen, because the Lord is speaking to His church. The Lord is speaking to His church. As we move toward the vision and seeing these things come to pass that we've been talking about, we also must enter into a season uh, where we partner with the vision to see it come to pass. Uh, things don't just happen because you see them. Things happen because you see them and then you put in, in place the necessary actions to achieve what you see, right? I mean, vision with just vision is not good. It's not going to get you anywhere. You can have a vision for a nice home. You can have a vision for a different job. But if you never actually move towards accomplishing those goals, vision doesn't do anything but frustrate you. Vision can be very frustrating if you don't do anything about it. Because it's this nagging... Uh, sign of what could be uh, operating in your life when, you not, uh, when you're not moving towards it. We have to partner with the vision. And so that's what I'm going to be talking to you about this morning is partnering with the vision that God is placing in the church. He's placing in each of you. He's placing uh, in us as leadership. And we're sharing it with you and we're asking you to do the same to begin to put those pieces together to see the church advance and move forward. Today I'm asking you to, to begin to pray this week to really seek after God for His direction. And next week I'm going to be asking all of you in the church, all of you that this is your church, this is your home, to begin to commit to fasting with us to see the vision of God begin to come to pass and we're going to build a partnership with Him to accomplish what He is placing in each of us to, to accomplish. As we think about fasting and we, we think about the purpose of it, it's, a, it's, it's about positioning ourselves so that we can hear and see clearly the vision of God for each and every one of us, but also for us corporately. What I would say to you this morning is that duplication and multiplication, which is what we believe God is speaking to us, happens through you and happens through me. It doesn't happen apart from me. It happens through us, through each of us. In other words, the church doesn't grow unless you help grow it. 
The church doesn't, doesn't transform lives unless you are the ones that are actually out there putting your feet to the ground, making those kinds of things happen. One of the things that was spoken to us this morning is that God is really putting on the hearts and lives of the church to really go after the lost and reach the lost. I mean, that's a mandate that we've always had. And I think it's an emphasis that as a church we've always had. But I think even more so today, we have this pressure, if you will, this compelling to go out and share Jesus with everybody that we come in contact with because the time is short, the time is drawing near, and we've got to get people saved. We've got to see their lives changed and see them touched. Duplication and multiplication happens through you and me. Movement and momentum is created by you and me. Yes, God gives us the power and God gives us the anointing. Those are supernatural things. But we are the ones that release that power and anointing into the world around us. And if we choose not to release it and hold it into ourselves, we're not allowing it to be released and do the work that it was meant to do. It comes from Him. And apart from Him, we know this, apart from Him, I can do nothing. But it is very much in my control as to whether or not I do anything with what God gives me. That's up to me. As I release the power of God and the anointing in my life, it increases in potency and effect, but it must be released. It's multiplied in the pouring. It's multiplied in the releasing. It does its work as it is released out of my life into this world around me. And so fasting is about creating a hunger for the things of God. And I'm asking you to join me in getting hungrier and thirstier for what God is wanting and trying to do through us and for us. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The Message Bible says it like this in Matthew 5 and 6, You are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. It says you're blessed when what? When you've worked up a good appetite. Whose responsibility is it to work up an appetite for God? It's my responsibility. I'm the one that has to get hungry for change. I'm the one that has to get hungry for something different in my life. I'm the one that has to get hungry for God to move and show up in my situation. I'm the one that has to decide I'm not comfortable with where things are and the way things are going and decide it's up to me to seek after Him and allow Him to create that hunger inside me that He will feel. But we've got to be the ones to work that up. So today I want to talk to you about increasing our hunger for God. Will you help me pray? This morning as I preach to you, fasting for a change. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence, your power we feel in this house. We thank you for where you are promising to take us, Father. And Lord, we're asking that you would help us to submit to your plan for your desires, God, and that we will trust in your power and anointing to accomplish everything that you place before us. Father, I pray that, God, you would give us all, all, Lord, starting with myself and mostly myself, Father, a hunger and a desire for you, that, God, we would not let anything come between us and our quest for you. I pray that you would just release your power in this message, that, God, you would grab hold of hearts today, And that, Lord, you would stir us up to action for you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. No doubt, probably before this service is over, this morning someone is going to lean over to their spouse and they're going to whisper these words, I am getting hungry. 
Somebody's already said it in this place this morning, I guarantee you. Your belly's growling, you're hungry, you're ready to get, get some, something to eat. Those words we hear on a daily basis. You say it at work, we hear them from our spouse. I hear them all the time from my kids. They're always hungry. We can just finish eating and they're still hungry. Five minutes later, if we sit down and watch TV, Daddy, I'm hungry. They're hungry all the time. We hear it from our co-workers. We hear it from other people. Jesus spent a lot of time working with his disciples on this very issue. And you think, well, man, I don't think of things in the Bible that talk about food a lot. But when you really start thinking about it and you start reading about it, there's a lot of times where Jesus was dealing with his disciples over this very issue. Jesus spent a lot of time working with them. The disciples were people that initially were governed by food. They were always worried about eating at the well when Jesus is going and he's talking to the lady at the well. If you read in the scripture and you find out where the disciples were, you'll find that they were going to get something to eat in town. Jesus is trying to save a lady from the fiery pit of hell and the disciples are worried about lunch. Jesus is ministering to 5,000 people on the hillside and the disciples come to him and say, Jesus, these people got to eat. We need to send them away so they can go get some food in town. What they were really saying is, Jesus, I'm hungry and I'd like to go to Wendy's and get something to eat. That's what they were really saying. But they said it nicely. They said it spiritual by saying, we need to take care of these people. Isn't it amazing how we can spiritualize things? want to send them away to get some food. Jesus said to his disciples later, he said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. The disciples immediately thought he was talking about bread. They said, is he mad at us because we didn't bring bread? Jesus wasn't talking about that at all. Later the disciples get in trouble for, from the Pharisees for walking through wheat fields and eating the grain as they were walking through. Jesus had to deal with them on the area of eating and, and food and teaching them about fasting. Why? Because he knew at some point these 12 men were going to take over the church, that they were going to lead the church and they were going to be responsible for the church. And he knew that if they were governed by the things of the world, that they would never be releasing the power of God through their spirit with any potency and effect in the world. He knew that if they didn't get this other under the blood and under control and didn't let it govern their lives, that they would never be effective in moving toward the plan and will of God. And I would say to you that nothing's changed in that. We still have to deal with the flesh. We still have to deal with the world. We talk about fasting and always talk about it in correlation to food. And yes, that is a part of it. But I would say it's much larger than that. It's not just about food. It's about dealing with the things of the world that draw your attention. The reason it's always talked about food in the biblical context is because if you know this or not, they didn't have iPads and Facebook and all that stuff back in that day. Food was their entertainment. It was their deal. And there probably wasn't a lot of that to go around. And so it was always a nagging thing in their lives. And Jesus knew that if they could conquer that and focus on spiritual things, that they would have power released into their lives. But today we have a lot more things to deal with. We have a lot more things drawing our attention and vying for our time and for our energy. And so fasting for, for the church today is not just about food, although that's a part of it. It's about a larger context. It's about anything, really, that begins to pull your attention away from God. 
Fasting helps you learn to deny your hunger for the world while increasing your hunger for God. It helps you to get rid of those things that are drawing constantly upon your life and focus that attention and that energy where it needs to be focused. So what would happen today if we took that same approach with God that we took with just food? What would happen if we thought about and pursued God with that same hungry hunger that we have for food and even other things that get our attention? What if instead of just only eating food three times a day, we also ate spiritually three times a day? What would happen instead of focusing on breakfast, lunch, and supper that we took those times and focused on the Lord morning, noon, and night? What would happen if we put that same emphasis even in that particular area? I think that's why fasting is so important because it detaches us from things that are getting too much of us. And it appropriates and reestablishes our attention on what it should be on. James McDonald gives a great definition for fasting. He says this. He says, fasting is abstaining from food and sometimes other things for measured periods of time in order to heighten my hunger for the things of God. I'm going to say it to you again. Fasting is abstaining from food and sometimes other things for the measured periods of time in order to heighten my hunger for the things of God. So I willfully decrease my dependence on one source in order to heighten my dependence on another source. So let me give you this morning three things that fasting will do for you. Three things that fasting, uh, how it can help you in your life. First, fasting increases my capacity for God. Fasting increases my capacity for God. How many of us could say, I have a hunger for God that is proportionate to how awesome he is and what he offers. If anybody raises their hand, what you're basically saying is that you understand how awesome God is and that you understand everything that he has to offer and nobody does. We can't even fathom the greatness of our God. We can't even begin to unveil all the things that God wants to do for us in our lives. And so it's impossible for us to get to that place. But it is a quest that we must all place ourselves upon and seek to discover. Compare your hunger to the hunger of of Wilbur Reese who wrote a book called $3 Worth of God. This is what it said. He said, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack, please. I would like to buy $3 worth of God. I think that probably for many of us, we can relate to what he's saying. Yes, we want God for eternal security and salvation, but we don't want to be disturbed. We don't want to be challenged. We want the feelings of being in a relationship with God without the transformation uh, working in us. We want uh, the warmth of the womb and the comfort of the womb, but not a new birth. We want a pound of eternal without any requirements. It's more than that. It's more than that. We want enough to feel satisfied and safe, but not enough to feel uncomfortable and compelled. 
Church, when our capacity for God is small and when we have little hunger for God, it is easy for us to want other things. It's easy for us to allow our lives to fill up with all kinds of things that draw our attention and focus off of Him. When our hunger is small for God, anything can come along and become your number one. Think about it in terms of a pie and let that pie represent your total capacity for any kind of intake, whether it's emotional, relational, physical, or spiritual. Every day, each of us get up and we begin the day with a certain finite amount of capacity. We get ourselves ready. We get the kids up and we get them ready. And if you've done that, you know it's drawing things out of you every time you do it. It takes me 20 minutes to get my kids out of bed in the morning to get them in the shower and get them out of the shower, to get them moving so you understand. We listen to the radio and we use up part of our capacity for that. We have our phones and our smartphones. And those have multiple ways of pulling from you. Our social media, all of those using up capacity. We go to work and we use up part of our capacity for work and then we drive home and then we have dinner and family relationships. All of those things using up capacity that might otherwise focus on God. And although some of those things are necessary things, some of those things are even good things, they still have the ability to diminish our hunger for God because they consume us to the point that we have nothing left to give. Fasting helps us make proper adjustments. Fasting helps us change our priorities. It helps us adjust our focus and put it back where it needs to be. The truth is that we all prioritize what we're hungry for. We prioritize what we're hungry for. If you truly are hungry for something, you're going to get it, right? I mean, if I really want to eat something specific, I'm going to get it one way or another. I'm determined. If you're hungry for spending time with your friends, you're going to figure out a way to do that. If you're hungry for more money and you really want to increase your income, you're going to figure out a way to do that. What you're hungry for, you prioritize. You want a new car, you want a new house, you want a deeper relationship with God, whatever it may be. Whatever you're hungry for becomes a priority in your life. And that is why it is critical that we increase our hunger for God so that He remains the central focus of our lives. It is not so much, listen, that we are increasing our capacity so now there is more space and now we can give some of that space to God. It's not like we're building a room onto our house, okay? Although God will grow us, yes, He will, and God will enlarge our ability to receive for Him, but rather it is about enlarging His room in your, in your house. In other words, it's like knocking down a wall and making Him have more room in your already existing house. We have to learn to give Him more of what we already have. We all look at it as though, well, as I grow in the Lord, then I'll give him this time. But if we can't give him what we already have, we're never going to receive more from him. It's about appropriating correctly what we've already been given and prioritizing those things so that our hunger for God increases. We prioritize what we're hungry for. And so our, our prayer is God make us hungrier for you. 
This year is a year of multiplication, as I've mentioned. And if God is going to multiply you, if He's going to multiply your resources and so on, something has to has to give. Something has to be dedicated to Him. Something has to be given to Him to work with. And that is why dedication and consecration are so important. It's like I said last week when I was talking about uh, the portion that is dedicated and consecrated to God is the portion that God multiplies. Fasting helps us to take what we already have and dedicate portions of it to the Lord so that He can put His wonderful hand upon it and multiply it and make it blessed. Make it increase. And consequently, that enlarges our capacity for Him. So the first thing is that fasting increases my capacity for God. Number two, fasting frees me from my current patterns of life and helps me establish new ones. Fasting frees me from my current patterns of life and helps me establish new ones. Fasting helps change the pattern. Do you find yourself in a repeating cycle? Many of you do. Many of you could stand here today and say, well, this is the cycle of my life, and you could plot it on a map if you needed to. Do you find yourself continually failing to prioritize the things you know you ought to do? Do you find yourself under a cloud of guilt because you are not meeting your own expectations or fulfilling your desires for the things of God? Many of us in this place would answer yes. A hundred Christians were surveyed and these were found to be their top five problems and see if you relate to these. Number one top problem that Christians said they had is an inadequate prayer time. They wanted to spend time in prayer daily, but were not doing it. Time was getting away from them, and they lacked the hunger to prioritize it. Number two, not seeing answers to prayers or seeing miracles take place. We know directly that fasting is is a way in which we get our prayers answered. Daniel, in Daniel 10, is praying uh, about an answer from the Lord. And the Bible tells us that he was fasting for 21 days. And at the end of his 21 days, finally the answer came. Fasting helps us get answers to prayer. It helps us to step into a realm where miracles can take place. The third thing is they didn't feel like they measure up. And I feel like this is one of the things that probably somebody in this house today is relating to. They have a nagging area of secret sin, attitudes that can't be shaken. In a lot of ways they feel God has grown them, but in some more distressing ways wonder if they have grown at all. Fasting breaks those old patterns. The fourth thing is they don't sense God's presence had more than one person come up to me in my time here and say pastor I don't understand I'm just not feeling God's presence like I need to and like I want to fasting helps create sensitivity to the Lord they don't sense God's presence because they've allowed the world to decrease their sensitivity to God and it may not be bad things it may not be sin things do you know that your children can decrease your sensitivity to God Mine keep me on the edge of losing my salvation at times. Do yours? So they can decrease your sensitivity. And that's why it's important that we prioritize those things and we make sure things are lined up. 
Because listen, the more sensitive and tuned into the world we are as a source of life, the less we are tuned into God as the source of life. The more you're tuned into Facebook giving you the things you desire, or uh, your job giving you the things you desire, your family giving you the things you desire, as the more you look to this world and the components of this world as a source of life, the less you look to God as your source of life. He's not interested in sharing space with the things of this world. So we've got to put Him central. We've got to build our world around Him. Fasting helps us to do that. The fifth thing, Fifth thing that they say is a lack of quiet time. You may say today, well, isn't that the same thing with prayer? I think it's different in prayer in this. I think that we as a people must detach from a world of confusion and center ourselves in God's peace and truth. We live in a world of confusion. There is always something crazy happening. You're always running here, there, everywhere. There's a lot of things drawing from you. And there's a lot of confusion surrounding you. Quiet time helps us to detach from that world of confusion, center ourselves in the peace and the truth of God's world, God's life, God's atmosphere, and helps us find our peace and hold on to it. We need that. So what am I to do? Pastor, when the deepest things I want don't end up becoming a reality, but the quick things, the easy things, the expedient things, the accessible things, those are the things that I end up choosing and I feel stuck in my current pattern. Some people would say, you don't change because you don't want to change. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think that probably everybody in this room, you're here because you want change. You're here because you want something different in your life. The problem is not wanting it. The problem is just not having perhaps enough hunger to go after it. Perhaps the problem is just not knowing where to take the next step. Perhaps the problem is just feeling so overwhelmed with guilt and shame that you can't break free from that long enough to get a hold of what God's trying to do in your life. The problem for us is even though in our hearts we feel like we want to change, oftentimes we want other things more. And so if we want to change, we need a tool to change. And the tool God has given me to break the patterns of not doing the things I most want to do is fasting. Fasting helps you break old patterns and establish new ones. The third thing, is fasting connects me with, the God, with God's current activity and vision. Fasting connects me with God's current activity and vision. It's my desire as your pastor to keep us all connected to the activity of God and the vision that God has for us as His people. To do that, I have to be a shepherd gathering individuals from the flock together and helping them work in a larger context. Do you know what kind of job that is? No, you don't. Gathering this one and gathering that one and trying to get this one and that one to work together and and make things happen. I have this, this thing I want to do, Pastor, and I have this thing I want to do. Well, let's make them work together and accomplish the goal together. It's a job. God is delivering portions of the vision to each and every one of us as His church. 
whether we receive them and release them back into his body is all up to us. Fasting helps us receive those pieces and faith helps you release them back into the body of Christ. Now I could approach God's vision for this church in one of two ways. I can approach it as Moses and I can go to the mountaintop and I can get a word from God and I can come back and just declare it over you and tell you where we're going to go and what we're going to do. And that's one way that vision gets cast. Or I can approach it like David where he went with the people and he walked with the people and he gathered gifts from this person and he gathered ideas from this person and he put them all together and made them work for the whole. Now for me, I would rather live in the cave with all of you and share in the vision of the Lord together. I believe that there's a season where the other is required and we've had that season even in our own church. But I believe that this is a season where it's about gathering the portions of the vision from each and every person, forming them together to an overarching vision and making the kingdom, helping the kingdom to advance through each and every one of us and our parts in that vision. It is the leader's job, listen, to say where we're going and give you a destination, but it's everyone else's job, everyone's job, to decide how we get there. God's, God places in us all portions of the how. God places in all of us portions of the how, how it's done, how it's going to be accomplished, how it's going to be fulfilled. And fasting reveals that. It connects you as an individual to God's vision and this body of believers sharing in a common vision. So let me give you the destination. Let me give you some big pieces of focus that we're going to have for this fast. Uh, There's three areas of focus that I want us to focus on in this fast. Now, I'm not talking about details. I'm talking about a destination. And it's up to each of us to decide how these things are going to come to pass. The first thing is this, that I want God to multiply our hunger for Him. God, multiply our hunger for you. Multiply our hunger for your presence. Make us hungry for miracles. Make us hungry for the lost. God, give us a heart that that just goes after your presence, after, after what you desire to do, the miracles that you promise us in Scripture, and for the people that are lost, the people you died for. God, give us a hunger for that. The second thing is I want him to multiply our influence in this region. God, increase our reach. Help us to reach further than we've ever reached before. Let us go beyond Burt Burnett. Let us us go into Iowa Park. Let us go into Shepherd Air Force Base. Let us go into Randallette. Let us go into Wichita Falls. Lord, let our reach expand beyond just Burt Burnett. Increase our impact. Help us to reach deeper, Father, and help us to have more of an impact on the region around us. Let people know that the river is there and it's doing something for God. Increase our visibility. Lord, unveil. Unveil blinded eyes so people can see that there is a church, that there is a place of refuge, there is a safe place where they can come and and discover what God has for them. And the third thing is, God, multiply our resources. God, we need you to multiply our finances. We need you to multiply our attendance. God, multiply our leaders and our workers. God, just put your hand upon us and increase it all. The how this is done is up to you. 
And as we fast together with these three things as our focus, corporate focus, God will begin to release His creativity in you so you can fulfill your piece of the how. I'm going to ask Jennifer to come to the piano this morning, or Amber to come to the piano this morning. And I want to read to you from Joel 2.12. This is what the Lord says. He says, Now therefore, says the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Surrender your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and He relents from doing harm. I'm asking all of you to pray this week about what God would have you fast. Some of you say, I can't fast food. That's okay. You can fast something. You can give up something. And you can dedicate that time to the Lord. Some of you can fast some meals. And I would encourage you to do that. But ask God what He wants you to do. And next week, I'm going to ask everybody in this room to make a commitment to the fast. Whatever your part is. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Come to